Welcome back, fellow spy nerds, to the Spies Like Us podcast. That's uh, the podcast where we like to discuss the representation of tradecraft on screens, large and small. Today, we're on the small screen, and with me, as always, is David, who's going to tell us. Hey, what's up, dude? What's up, sexy? <laughs> <laughs> Just chilling. What do you want to talk about today? Slow horses. Episode one and two. Much oh awaited. Oh my god, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Slow horses. That's uh where 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 can we see that? Uh right now it's only on Apple TV. An Apple TV original. Yeah. And uh yeah, six episode uh miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um the sixth episode, if I'm not mistaken, has not yet dropped. So we're gonna do we're gonna do this in three parts. Uh episodes one and two, and then three and four, and then five and six. And by the time we get to five and six, six will be out. So we'll actually have something to talk about. Yeah. Um <laughs> Dude, I wanna tell you right now, uh they always plan to do at least two seasons of this, so we will get more. Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah, I heard there was a book series, so it's nice to know there's a lot more to get from this story. I think there are eight books out. Wow. This, this one, this one uh, was published in 2010. Mm-hmm. So uh, dude's been staying busy. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, I love... Dude, I'm so into this fucking show. Uh, <laughs> and uh, loving, loving this uh, little uh, corner shall we call it of the yeah. of the of the spy community it's really interesting very interesting uh, yeah i feel us- like most spy content tries to give us the most elite available unless it's like a comedy or something like a goofy like parody but this like it's like a darkish comedy-ish and like they're they're showing us like the bare bottom of the barrel type of uh spy team <laughs> so it's kind of fun to see something like this right let's tell let's make sure we tell people uh what they're uh getting into if they haven't gotten their hands around this yet and by the way i i'm unashamed in saying like i absolutely highly recommend this to pretty much anyone uh oh, over absolutely. the age over the age of 12 right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah I mean, Gary one of my, alone. Yeah. One of my critics described it as uh, like British insult comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not quite like the super dry British bake-off kind of stuff that we get with the Ipcrest file. It's it's a little snarkier than that, but it's definitely not a parody. I mean, right. you're right. I I would say, I mean, it's okay. I wouldn't say this is so much of a uh, well, it is a dark comedy, but it's more of a it's a it's a funny drama. Not yeah. not not it's not it's definitely not a comedy, but the people are the quips are fucking like razor sharp. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these people really do not like each other at no. all. <laughs> no. And are not happy with uh with uh with their colleagues and their subordinates um etc but uh, like, wasn't there the two in the uh, there's that guy the super cheerful guy that always wants to do pub quiz together he's and, hilarious and he, keeps, he keeps inviting them and then the 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 lady and the guy never want to go but then they go out together and like avoid him and just trash talk how much like they hate being around him 
It, it's that type of uh, uh, an office environment that we're on, we're, a, we're... <laughs> on a certain level. This is kind of similar to the office where, you know, you just have this like cast of characters. Some are very much in the foreground, some a little bit in the background, but everyone's got their own like uh, reasons for being here uh-huh. and, uh, you know, secrets from each other and different attitudes about what they do while they're being here. Like you mentioned, there's the one guy that's just like always like, Hey, we should get a pub quiz team together. <laughs> we should go paintballing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and right. Um, and I don't re- that character didn't I don't think existed in the office per se, but he absolutely could have. Um let's uh Dave, can you explain to us the the like the high concept of this show? Like why is it called Slow Horses? Uh so you know, again, um, as we kind of hinted at a little bit, there's like a, a an office of the MI5 that's not even in the main building that that is comprised of all the rejects, people they didn't didn't do anything bad enough to get fired, but they screwed up enough to where like, no, we're just gonna put you here in the rejects corner. Is is I think the best way to describe it. Yeah, it's the rejects corner. It's the, it's the, we're, we're too embarrassed. Uh, for some reason, like we don't want to fire you. Yeah. I've heard this happens to teachers a lot too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a whole, like, um, uh, at least in LA, maybe in other parts of the country as well, but like where something happened where like, they don't have grounds to fire them cause they are a public, you know, servant. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, they don't want them in the classroom anymore. And so they send them to, they just send them to this one, like, room where they just sit there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's their job for the rest of their career is just, like, waiting for you to quit. Uh, but you still get paid. Yeah. But you just go to a room where you sit down in a chair and do nothing all fucking day. It's kind of similar to that. Um, some of the reasons they got fired were or put there were pretty like the one guy left top secret materials on a train, right? Everyone's everyone's got a story of why they're here, which is one (laughs) of the really cool uh elements of this show. Um, yeah, they're I don't know which one, but I, I guess one of them is there for just sending like a highly inappropriate email. Yeah. Um, which I'm guessing that's Mr. Happy Dude. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm not sure. And some people, some people, their reason for being here is known to other people. Some people, they don't know why they're there or oh, they like don't the know hacker? why their colleagues are there. Right. The hacker. Apparently Did it turn out he was just so insufferable? Nobody wanted to work with him. It's and so nobody be- told him. It's just because he's a dick. <laughs> He's actually a really good hacker. He's just so insufferable. Nobody wants to work with him. <laughs> right. So that's our that's that's our setup and this glorious mess of a, oh and then uh, okay wait also like the contrast between Slough House and uh, what they call uh, they call it some something else. Let me find it real quick. It's um. Oh, something park. Uh, looks like that's a fictional thing. But anyways, the difference between like the Slough House office and the main MI5 office is so stark yeah. that 
that in itself is a reason for comedy. Like main, like the, there's this fucking door <laughs> that just like is jammed, this stupid metal door that you have to like slam your shoulder into even <laughs> to get into the office. And it's like just decrepit and smelly and awful. <laughs> and then you go over to uh, uh main MI five and uh, one of my critics described it as looking like uh, a combination of uh, uh, the Apollo, the Apollo uh, sixteen movie headquarters <laughs> and and Google headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everything's super shiny and bright. Yeah, yeah, and sharp. <laughs> that's funny. Um, let's talk about let's talk about our cast. So we're gonna focus, obviously. Because it's so much fun on our our cast of misfits, which is delightfully headed by Gary Oldman. Yep. <laughs> um, and he's not only it's like he's not only seems to be like the guy that uh, was, you know, maybe had a shinier career at some point, right? Uh, you know, but he's he's not only like a, a prisoner quote unquote in Slough House, he's also the warden. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think we're gonna find out more about that. Like his job really does seem to be to punish everyone that's been sent here. Absolutely. He even mentions it multiple times. He makes it very clear you should be miserable here. And and uh yeah he's kind of like you know I like how you put him as the prisoner and warden. I was thinking more like just that guy that got into hell but was like promoted like to be in charge. You know, and so his life's miserable because he's taking care of a bunch of miserable people. Like, yeah, Yeah. like, like he, he, like the show starts out with him waking up to a fart. He's just passed (laughs) out. Yeah, it does look like it does like look like he lives there. We've never, we have yet to seen him in two episodes. We've yet to see him leave. I think office. Oh, oh well, he has. He did come one time down to the. Uh, computer room oh yeah yeah, yeah right <laughs> uh, but we haven't seen him leave the office it does look like he lives there sleeps there drinks you know passes out there uh shits his bed there and just fucking yeah he's a goddamn mess but of course it's super fun we get these little hints and like we're on the edge of our seat watching gary oldman and saying like wait a second this guy it seems like he might be like secretly brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be um, a lot of fun. That's to what find it seems like that he was like a him. Yeah, especially with like his counterpart in the bigger building. You know, she even you know speaks about him with reverence. You know, even though he's like the leader of the rejects, like he he was like a heavyweight and like survived. You know, the real shit of being undercover. You know, type of thing. So we're not quite sure what was fucked up. I think we got like one mention of a flashback where he said Berlin's been blown. So we, we don't know what that means or how that happened or what's going on. Sure, but-, but he, yeah, he used to be like to borrow the Vietnam term, like in in Cold War terms, like he used to be in the shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like on um, the front lines of intelligence. <laughs> also worth noticing, just a tiny little thing, like. Him and the uh, the lady that is, I guess, okay, the lady at MI5 that's like, you know, uh, his, uh, not, I don't want to say counterpart, but the um, the contrasting right. 
official. Uh, they're on a first name basis, by yeah, the way. Catherine's so... her name, and I, I can't remember her last name. It was a very yeah, but yeah, it's Catherine, right? Uh, nope. Oh, never mind. Nope. But I'll get it. I'll get it. It's uh <laughs> oh no 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 yeah Catherine Catherine oh, Stan okay. no 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 Catherine is his um Catherine is someone is the office administrator first oh uh, her the wife of like his buddy or something it's Diana Diana Taverner Taverner is the, that's her is the deputy director general of MI five they sometimes refer to her as the second desk uh-huh. so there is. Like she's the head of operations, but she does have one person above her, uh, which is uh, referred to sometimes as the first desk. Uh, I see. So she's just one step, one step below the top, the toppy top of okay. MI five. But uh, but they definitely know each other. Seem to have a, a personal history, which is not explored in the first two episodes. But I'm looking forward to hearing more about i want to talk more about uh what we got for a cast here oh right 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 i'm sorry uh featured agencies so i mean we've set it up pretty much but everything here we've talked about so far is under the umbrella of mi5 so there's main mi5 at a place called regents park which seems to be made up by my googling um i think they called it uh they didn't they call uh it river house in uh something we did recently that was uh the night I think manager. It was Zipcrest, wasn't it no that was night manager oh nightmare that's right yeah but uh i don't think there's an actual uh regions park interestingly slough house is based on a certain address in london and apparently the author described this address and this location, even though, okay, so Slough House is fictional, at least as far as we know. Mm-hmm. But uh, the author's description of the, uh, the, this location was apparently so detailed and so modeled off an actual place in real life that a certain fan was able to pinpoint the exact address uh in in the books and then they ended up using that same location in shooting for the tv series oh wow okay cast gary oldman second appearance if i'm not mistaken uh as uh some as a character on this podcast right i think so yeah i don't think he's been in anything else yeah we had him in taylor Taylor soldiers but yeah jonathan price Yes. Now, how many times? I think this is second, isn't it? No. How many times? This is his third, buddy. Oh wow. What do you what do you you remember? Which one which one do you remember that we've talked about Jonathan Price in before? Wasn't he in Munich? Not Munich. Oh, you gotta be baffled now. Uh, it was a 1995 movie. A lot of action. Oh, Rob- Mission Impossible. Rob- Robert no, De Niro. Oh, that's right. He was in uh, uh, Ronin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he's also he's also uh, a you know he's also in the ranks of Bond villains. 
tomorrow. Oh, never I, dies. I blocked all that out. <laughs> tomorrow never dies. He's our yeah. fun throwing in that one. <laughs> oh, that's right. He was like the Zuckerberg or whatever. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs, whatever guy. Yeah, that's right. We also have, we also have us another uh, repeat performance in Paul Higgins, and this is the guy we're talking about. Like that is the super chatty, wants to be friends with everyone in uh-huh. a super annoying way in the office. Uh-huh. And I, I double checked it, and I'm right. He's our fastest turnaround for a second appearance on this podcast. We saw him in the most recent Ipcrest show, right? That's right. Yeah, Where he was you... the the minister or whatever. Minister of Defense, I believe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was a good ca- I remember we were watching it. You pointed that out. Good yeah, Drast- drastically different performance. <sighs> yes, very, very so, different. So the guy's got a little bit of range on him. Um, Kristen Scott Thomas is the actor name of the Diana Taverner character mm-hmm. the deputy director general of mi5 we haven't seen her before but apparently if we ever get around to doing the original mission impossible movie it turns out she's in that so we'll have to remember that oh was she a bond girl in mission impossible oh never mind sorry you're talking about the i heard you said mission impossible i heard bond because we were just I- I, I absolutely, I absolutely can't even imagine who she would have been in that movie. In the first one, right? The first one. I can't think of who she would be either. Yeah, I mean, she might have just been a background character. Who knows? Uh, but if, if, and when we get to Mission Impossible, we'll have to remember to name to give her the prize of you know a multiple uh, appearance. Um. I think I've only got one other thing to talk about before we go into, uh, you know, a little tradecrafty detail and talk about the actual events of the episode. And that is to flag this super dope theme song, which is Mick fucking Jagger, (laughs) who, uh, along with, uh, you know, the, the show's regular composer, like, created this theme song he actually reached out to them when he found out they were making a show of uh slow horses apparently mick jagger is a huge fan of the books and he called them and said <laughs> i will i please let me do your theme song you know there's no way that they it, it worked the other way there's right. no way there's no way that apple tv like said you know we're sitting around the tables you know executives saying like well let's see who should we get to do our theme song for us and someone's like <laughs> well i heard mick jagger's not doing anything lately <laughs> let's call him no way dude there's no way you could afford mick jagger for this so could you imagine uh, being the showrunner and you just get Mick Jagger's like guy calling, and I'd be like, "Hey, Mick Jagger wants to do his song." Like you're already pre-planning stuff and thinking about budget, and you're trying to piece together the whole project. And you just get like a phone call, like just like a just like a little like hookup from out of the sky. You know what I mean? Just a like a just like a like a little blessing here. Like by the way, Mick Jagger wants to do the opening song, for dude. Me. You would you would pinch yourself really hard yeah (laughs) really hard to check to see if you were dreaming and you would read that email 
at least 12 times before you even thought about mentioning it to your superiors. Yeah, right. You'd be like, there's no way this is happening. Yeah. And it's a good, it's, dude, it's a dope song. I like it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, I think it adds a great feel to the, to the show. Like, it doesn't feel out of place at all. It's perfect. It's perfect. Right. And, you know, so, so you get that, you, you feel that love that Mick yeah. Jagger has for the, for the original material. Mm-hmm. He's bringing it. Yeah. <laughs> he's bringing it. He's taking you there. He wants yeah. to take you there. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, episode one, what's going on, buddy? Well, this was more of kind of like meeting the characters. Um, but, uh, we, we got a pretty cool, nice piece of trade craft. Um, our, our main character is, uh, shown like trying to catch a guy at the airport. Uh, and there's like a bomber and the bomber successfully bombs. And we later discover that was a training simulation scenario. And I, that's a pretty expensive training scenario. Cause they were actually at the airport and it looked like everybody on the team was kind of training too. I call absolutely I call absolute bullshit on this as a training exercise. Yeah, right. This this would be impossible. Yeah. <laughs> and and also by the way, I don't care. Like I love the show enough, but yeah. Uh I I 10 seconds of thinking about like what they hired like I I guess they actually shut down the airport and hired like a thousand extras. So do they just did it actually at the airport, which is even a little bit more concerning. Right. Especially since he punches out a guard. Oh, that's right. No, they said he was an actor. So all the people (laughs) later that he's saying, like, you injured this person, you injured this person, you injured. He's like, that was an actor. That was an actor. That was also an actor. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty awful. Um, But uh, I, I guess he got the wrong description. And uh, it turns out later we find out that the we, we're not actually confirming this, but he claims that the guy that gave him the description gave him the wrong description. But they oh, I say can, I can confirm. I can confirm. Oh, that he did give him the wrong description. Yes. Blue shirt, oh. white tee or whatever. Yeah. Blue shirt, white tee was what the guy said. And it was actually the opposite. And oh, I thought we didn't see that. And apparently that's like the. That's what got him fired. It's so like his, his, this training exercise part is the stupidest part of the show. If you <laughs> think about it, but the, the thing is once, once you get into the show, you don't care, but yeah. it, it makes no goddamn sense. A hundred percent. Like if they're doing all this stuff and they actually like, why is the, like the deputy director of the of MI5 is involved in fucking training exercises. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um and, but, and didn't you say that they would have had it recorded so they would know they would have had it. They would have had it recorded. Yeah. Uh well, if 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 like I'm taking your word on this that they actually he actually showed us on the show that he said this and he was made the the guy that told him made the mistake. That changed right. my whole theory. I had some grand theory about our deputy director later. Like, partially, partially my theory might work, but uh, that if, if if we actually saw him make the mistake and then lie about it, that uh, that that makes it worse, and my theory goes out the window. 
<laughs> well, I mean, there is some, there is going to be some big room for theorizing around this. Um, after we get some facts on the table, yeah. I think uh, we're really going to want to talk about uh, River. That's uh, our main character's uh, uh, first name. He's uh, Cartwright. River Cartwright. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, you know, without going, I, I want to go into, I want to save the detail for later, but there seems to be a very special interest in this person that facts don't seem to support that we've seen so far. Yeah. I would just put it that way for now. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I absolutely, I can't even figure out why, why he's in trouble for this training exercise in the first place, even if, even if it wasn't for the confusion of the, the color of the shirts, um, it seemed like he did everything right. And it was like a Kobayashi Maru. There was no actual, like, uh, possible way to win. No. Yeah. That's why I kind of had a little bit of a a theory going on that maybe this was all planned out. Cause that was the only way it was going to explain how silly that beginning was, but Hey, you know what? Uh, I, I like the show so much anyway. We, we, we can just ignore the training exercise <laughs> bit. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, although who knows, some details of it might circle around and come out to be important. So I, right. wouldn't, I wouldn't entirely file it under the, you know, just file it under bullshit and close right. the drawer. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, I, I really don't care. I like yeah. I like the show. I like the characters so much. Um, so uncharacteristically, apparently, there is actually an operation of some kind running through that MI5 is choosing to run through Slough House. Uh-huh. And that has to do with the observation of a certain reporter. Yeah, he's like a has been, um, uh, like right wing journalist. Uh huh. Um, Hobden. Hobden, that's right. But he's kind of like a nobody at this point. Um, but the main MI five seems to think he is a uh, person of interest. So um, they, right, but they're not going after him directly. They're having Slauhouse look at him, which is really interesting and. Um, by the way, I want I wanted to really point out how much I enjoy, like how realistic a lot of this, you know, like we always talk about this, like to make, you know, a movie or a TV show, you got to make things interesting. Right. And a lot of intelligence work is not that exciting. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you're running surveillance 24 seven and nothing's happening. You know what I Uh mean? You're just kind of sitting in a car and you're like, okay, you know, or you're, doing cross-section research on files on stuff. So I wanted to point out some of this, like very realistic, like, and, and, and I think they needed to do it in a show like this. Cause they're talking about the rejects of MI5 and they just give them the grunt work. You know, we got, um, you know, Linda or what's her name uh, doing, giving out files to everybody. Like, Hey, do cross sections on all this stuff. Like here, Take take a look at library checkouts for money laundering, and the from, chick is like, from the library. She's like, if you have money, you're not going to be at the library, right? So 
And then, hey, and then park, guys, parking parking tickets from 1995. No stone unturned, huh? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Such a good line. <laughs> and then they got our main character going through trash, right? And trash is actually a good place to to uh, to see, but he doesn't really find anything until a little bit later. But you know, they're giving them the most menial of jobs, right? And um, I think what is it, Sid? Is our only one that gets anything interesting? She's running actual surveillance on this guy. Yeah, I think this is like well, the best piece of tradecraft we got in the show so far. Well, you can you can tell me what she does, okay, and then I'll have maybe some comments on what she actually gets out of it. Right, right, right. Um, so this uh, kind of has been nobody right wing reporter uh, is at like a coffee shop with his laptop. And she's kind of watching him and she plays kind of like the excited or just like the, the quirky girl next door and asks to borrow his uh, newspaper, spills his drink, which now distracts him to kind of wipe it up. She pulls out his thumb drive, puts his thumb drive into her computer as she's trying to help clean up. Then, you know, gets all the information, puts the thumb drive back in as they're still cleaning up. And uh, I thought I thought this was kind of clever. I don't know how easy it'd be able to pull this off in real life, but I I, I feel like this is kind of something you got to. I just like the idea of the distraction, and and then just the quick the quick sleight of hand that she pulls off, and and I, I liked it. I, uh, I I like to think that somebody out there is capable of something like this. Makes you want to kind of watch what you're doing. Yeah, story wise, they're they're selling her as uh, competent in yeah. a way that it, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of the people at Slough House maybe like they, uh, it's not like they're complete fuck ups. It's just that they're people that have fucked up. Mm-hmm. It seems. Um, so, like, also, what's interesting about the show is like these people have some competencies. Uh, they're just overshadowed by like whatever failures they have. And, and we have absolutely no idea what her failure was because, you know, the show is selling uh, her to us as being like hyper competent and our main character picks up on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as what she gets off the laptop of this Hobden guy, uh, or I'm sorry, she actually grabs his uh, USB key off of his key ring oh yeah that's right it was on his key ring that's right because we're gonna find out later uh when when they run it that it's it's nothing but a program that's calculating pi (laughs) that was so funny which is weird because that means it was it was a force right like you know magic they'll force a card on you know there's different ways to do magic card tricks and one of them is you force the card and that way you know what card the person's going to get. So you can kind of be like, oh, you got the eight of hearts or some shit. That they've, they, they were expecting someone to steal. So what, what do you think? We don't really find out why they were doing that. Was there even a reason to do that? Like mad plus spy points on that. But what do you, what do you think the point of that was? I'm hoping, I mean, you know, I mean, this is, this is what I'm thinking. If I'm the, you know, and we we're made to know that this guy is very very paranoid about mm-hmm. having his data stolen. Yeah, uh, he doesn't use the internet even at all. He makes all of his phone calls. Uh, oh, that's right. 
uh, didn't uh, the directly... hacker call it air gapped? Right, right. Yeah, air gapped. Okay. Uh, yeah, his laptop. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't use email. He's that's also like why he's like having to like go through all these like multiple phone calls, like over and over to the people he's trying to reach. Um, and he's also using burner phones, uh, which at one point we see him toss into the trash. Uh, but if I'm that guy and I'm worried about someone stealing my data, like I don't need to put a program running pie on my thumbstick. Uh, I could just have a thumbstick that's fucking blank or or maybe, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe the point is to, so that if anyone looked at it, they would say like, Oh, there's like 16 gigs of data on it, you know, which would look different than if it was completely blank. But what I'm quietly hoping is that uh, I'm quietly hoping that there's actually something to that pi number that they'll figure out later. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think you read contact. I saw the movie. You saw the movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let me tell you something that was not in the movie that was in the book. It's the very last scene of the book where she realizes, you know, the Jodie Foster character uh, realizes that uh, if you get to a certain digit in Pi, there's actually a message. And the, the implication is that the universe I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It's such a fucking amazing (laughs) concept that actually like that God left us a secret message in the, the mathematics of a circle, you know, for us us to find when we were ready. Uh, And, and that's where the book ends. And it's like such a fucking stunner, (laughs) but on a, on a much less level, like I'll, I'll be secretly hoping that they will come back and somehow they'll figure out like, no, it's not running pie. There's a secret message in here somehow. Right. That's right, what right, I want. Right. That's what I want. Hopefully that'll be nice. But, um, but yeah, again, uh, we have massive questions about why MI five is running this, uh, uh, observation on Hopton through slough house it does look like uh, our lady over uh, at the house, mm-hmm. you know, our, our, our big lady uh, has actually given Gary Oldman's character some very specific instructions about this. So he knows more than he's telling. And well, he does kind of, well, I don't know. This might be a, a good, well, we're still on episode one, right? We can we can take it anywhere. We can blend them together. Oh, uh, okay. Because he he does ask uh, the assistant man. What's it, Linda? I think her name is Linda. He he does ask her, uh, which and then he says it's rhetorical just to make him an extra dick. Um, yeah, he he was like, "What are the coincidence? What are the? Is, do you think it's a coincidence that um, K- Kathy?" Diane, sorry, that Diane has Slough House run an op on Hobden right around when a crazy right-wing group kidnaps uh, a Pakistani kid. Then she's about to give him an answer. He's like, that was rhetorical. But so he already starts thinking that she's suspicious. 
And that strongly suggests that's really good to key on in on that because so we have evidence to to believe that he knows more that he's more than he's telling, mm -hmm. but also that rhetorical question indicates he uh, can kind of deduce that he doesn't know everything that he should know. Yeah. Right. I, 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 but I just like, and that was part of my theory. Uh, but if that guy does actually, it shows in the show that he does make the mistake and the lies about it, then that means absolutely. Like, I, I was thinking maybe she purposely put him in trouble. And that would explain why it wasn't recorded. Um, that, that she specifically wanted him to get in trouble and that they, that she was like throw him on another bus, but that doesn't work. Um, Right. Like the intelligence level of this show is such that I'm certain of one thing. Um, although I, I could be wrong, but I'm, I, I feel certain of one thing. Like you could look at this and just say like, well, they're just running an operation through Slough House so that if things go wrong, they have someone to blame. That would be an incredibly obvious twist. So I feel like, though, it has to be something more. And I'm really curious to find out what's going on. This show, more than anything else, I think we've done in a while, uh, uh, raises questions that I am, like, on the edge of my seat wanting to know what the fucking answer is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to see where this goes, too, because um, or at least I'm hoping there's something more there. Uh, but I, I think suspicion is on on uh, Diane um, here. We have a variation of the park bench. We oh, that's right. Her and Moody meet at a baseball stadium that's like empty, or uh -huh. maybe it's a cricket. You know what? Maybe it's probably cricket. They don't have baseball in England. I don't think uh, they have baseball in England. Yeah. Uh, do they but, have stadiums for cricket? I guess they oh, do. They, they of <laughs> course they do. Uh, yeah, they're like at an empty cricket field, I think. And uh so that's our park bench scene. Mm -hmm. uh, um and that was that was also that's also throwing a little shade on her. By the way, we find out Moody, one of the guys at Slough House, uh who I guess was a dog. Did you find out what that means? I have no idea what a dog I what did I've never uh, I've never heard this term before. Apparently oh. some people at MI five in this universe are mm -hmm. are referred to as the dogs. Uh, which I just imagine, I mean, I immediately imagine just being the guys that do the the grunt knocking on doors. Like the muscle? That, yeah, the muscles. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but uh, I don't know. One entry I saw, uh, I think on Wiki or something, which I, I don't necessarily trust, uh, said that the dogs might be uh, like internal security. So Moody lets Diane know that he's actually found out some information about Lamb because he didn't trust him. And so he knows if he ever leaves where he would go and who he would see and stuff like that. And and she's like, you've, you've bugged his office? And he's like, how did they not find them? And she was like, don't tell me you do the sweeps. You do the sweeps. <laughs> so basically the guy that's bugged Lamb is in charge of sweeping the whole building for bugs. <laughs> Anyway, so I guess that's when she decides, okay, I'm going to have you some do some stuff off the record. So this is throwing more suspicion on Diane because 
she's now asking this guy who's revealed that he doesn't trust uh, Lamb and is willing to do some dirty stuff that she's going to have him do some extracurricular things that aren't involved in official MI5 business. Um, and, uh, the, well, I, and I want to tie this in with that guy that is, Oh, by the way, we didn't really talk about the kidnapping episode one ends with this crazy right wing group. That's kidnapped a Pakistani like comedian and they want to cut off his head. Well, it turns out he's like born in England. He's a British citizen, been going to school, uh, like I think his grandparents were the immigrants, so he's like third generation or something. Um, but they think he's a Muslim. He's not really practicing. I guess his family was. He he he's not even the guy they're trying to hurt. But they just grab some random Pakistani guy, and they're putting live videos up on social media, showing him holding up the times and that yeah we're gonna cut off his head tomorrow, just like those terrorists do. Ah, uh, we gotta like cleanse our our english people so that we were white only or i don't know whatever um but uh there's a guy in that group of kidnappers that like sneaks off and pulls out a phone diane actually mentions that they have sources and so it makes me think oh maybe that guy's the source but now that we got this kind of suspicion of diane i'm wondering if he's working for her too Right. If he's well, we know we know he secretly sent a text to someone. We right. Don't know who? Uh, it could have been Hopton. By the way, you were away from the mic. I don't know if. Um. Okay, I'm back. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh. You know, we know that he sent a a text secretly to someone. We don't know yeah. who. Could have right. been Hopton. Could have been Hopton. That's right. It could have been Hopton. Uh. But why would he keep it a secret from the group then? Aren't they cool with Hob? Oh, you know what? Hob didn't. That's right. He was calling to let people know there's going to be like a a big, a big ex like a big execution type of thing, right? Right. And also a note of, about Hobden, like you know, a big question you might ask is if like he apparently is so worried now. Okay, he's well, he's worried about something really bad happening, but I feel like he's worried about something more serious than just this public execution. I could be wrong about that. You know, I mean, he says to one of his, you know, colleagues that's like shutting him down, uh, uh, there will be blood on your hands. So that could be the decapitation plan. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a question one might genuinely ask is like, if you're so worried about some big shit happening, why are you just trying to get it in the news? Why aren't you like calling the authorities? And the reason for that is because, he feels like he got fucked over by MI5 in the past. Oh, that's right. And we find out because, uh, by the way, we didn't talk about this. Uh, Jonathan Price, who plays Cartwright, uh, his his grandfather, uh-huh. is like a, a heavy hitter of previous like retired MI5 agents. And he's been pulling all these strings. And they were actually going to fire Cartwright. But, you know, his grandfather pulled these strings. And so he goes to see Cartwright about H- Hobden. And apparently, yeah, you're right. Uh, MI5 has been watching him and fucked him over in the past or, or stopped him from being a psycho in the past. But I guess now he's trying to save people. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess like the story on him, we're still talking about Hopton, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, is that he was a communist in his college years. Mm-hmm. And then when he switched sides, he went like way over to the right. 
have, <laughs> I have wonders about this guy. This guy, this guy might be an agent. Oh, himself? Yeah. I mean, oh, uh, that well, would be interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know, but he is really trying to reach out to the press. Yeah. But They're he's not. like, but in these days, like, if you have this information, like, you don't have to spill it out to the press. You could just get on your, well, if you just get on your blog, maybe he's worried, like, he'll just sound like one crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, But if he's so worried about this situation, and again, we don't exactly know what situation he's worried about, if it's just the decapitation, or if he knows about, like, you know, something more traditional, like a bomb plot. Oh, uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You oh, that's know. why they wouldn't take his call because he's a has-been journalist. Well, it's yeah, it's because you know he got like tied to right right-wing nationalist crazies. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Which are out there too, and there's this politician out there too that we're we're seeing some stuff of uh, that for some reason River, I guess, just based on like looking through Hobden's trash, he found oh. like a, a periodical a right-wing periodical. And so he's following up on the views of those, but that politician is, is connected to this somehow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Clearly. Cause the show wants us to see him and he's making all these brash claims. So yeah, clearly there's something going on with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from that, um, Oh, by the way, Cartwright's, uh, you know, still like salty about getting kicked out of MI5. And so he's trying to do something more exciting. So I guess he's he's starting to pick up on like something's up with Hobden if they want us to watch him. So he's taking upon himself to like actually work on this uh, extracurricularly. Um, So he's actually tailing Hobden himself uh, off of a tip from the hacker guy. Um. Because when, when the hacker guy mentions Hobden's air-gapped, he was like, he's probably got like that safeguard using thermite. Um, and he tells him the ingredients of what thermite, and if you don't know what thermite is, thermite can pretty much burn through anything. So the idea would be that he has like a makeshift safety, like if anything goes haywire, I could set this up and it'll burn through my hard drive and no one will find what was on my hard drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, um so that, that tips Cartwright to go back into the trash and look around, and he does find some residue of one of the ingredients of thermite, which leads him to tail Hobden, and then Hobden does something suspicious, and uh, well, Sid, Sid apparently follows him and gets in the car, and and now we and find out Sid. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, you know you're you're on it. You're on it. Yeah. Uh, so that's when we like Sid's been kind of friendly with Cartwright. They kind of like take stabs at each other, but it's more like, you know, office coworker stuff. They're um, going to fuck. They're going to fuck. Yeah. There's definitely, fuck. there's definitely some, uh, chemistry going on. Except for but, the fact that she gets shot in the fucking head yeah, at the end of yeah. this episode. But, but all along the way, <laughs> this, this definitely looks like, you know, this, we, we know where this is ending. It's, yeah, yeah. it's in the bed. We're going to work out these fucking issues with in, in, in between the bed sheets. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> But um, yeah, in the car while he's kind of watching Hobden, she reveals that she was hired by Diane to watch Cartwright, which is super weird. I mean, just they, they keep, keep throwing weird. suspicion on her, right? On on a Diane. So, uh, but Hobden shows up, and so they all start running out to go 
uh, see what's going on with Hobden. And it, so there's like, is it Hobden's house that they're at? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. So they end up. Although that kind of doesn't make sense. Like that whole bit of uh, river trailing Hobden. And then there was like this crazy cool stuff where he like, you know, switched buses or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to walk into all the details, but like in Hobden is clearly like really good at uh, throwing tails off. Yeah. Uh, but not so good that like when he figures out and finds out or thinks that he's safe on the new bus, we see like rivers like right behind him, which was awesome. But I didn't understand like because then we cut away from that scene. We never figure out like what river got out of that yeah. was it just like to find out where the guy lives i would have I thought that would have been easier <laughs> yeah you would think it it'd out. be easier to figure out <laughs> right. or maybe it's just maybe he's got like a if he's that paranoid he probably has like a safe house that he works out of or something uh very possible maybe i don't know but there's there's a thug there trying to kill hobden and of course we see the thermite go off on the computer um they they uh uh Cartwright kind of separates them. Um, Sid goes after the guy with the gun. Uh, you know Hobden gets away, but you know uh, Cartwright's kind of knocked out, and Sid gets shot in the head. And that's how episode two ends. So right. we got quite the cliffhanger going Big into time. the next next Big time. And we episodes. haven't we haven't watched episodes three and four yet. No, so uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, so let's let's sum up. And and we have guests coming soon, so uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it is weird that MI five is wanting to investigate Hopton through the uh, uh, through the path of Slough House. We know. And also, I think this was stupid of Diana minus spy points real quick, even though we're not we're not keeping score on TV shows. But yeah, minus spy points where <laughs> when she told Moody, like I gave uh, I gave Lamb, that's Gary Oldman, very specific instructions and you weren't in those instructions. There's no reason she should have told him that. But right. it's important for us to catch that as audience like there is some kind of secret arrangement going on between Diana and lamb. Yeah. But we also know, like you pointed out that lamb is pretty sure that Diana is not telling him everything because he's sitting there wondering about this coincidence of having us do again, you know, everyone's kind of noticing like, this is not the sort of thing they usually put through Slough House. So what's going on? Um, so he knows that she she's hiding something from him. And of course, we know even more that she's hiding something from him because we get the scene with her in the stadium with Moody where she's asking him to do some special favors. All this time we're given all these clues that for some totally opaque reason for me right now, uh, that they're very interested in river. Like Gary Oldman's character lamb is very, very, uh, intent on keeping track of where river is going. 
and wondering why he isn't at his desk at a lot of points. Like, why is he so worried about this? Yeah. And, and also with the revelation that Sid is actually not in Slough House because she did something wrong, that she was put there by Diana specifically to keep track of River. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> and and then, uh, yeah, and then some British white nationalists want to cut off a, a dude's head uh, on the internet and make a big statement. Did I get everything? That sounds like a whole sum up of what's going on, and we're not quite sure who's on what side and who, if anybody knows what's going on. I mean, Diane looks like she's trying to stop the, the white nationalists, um, at least on the surface. Right. But something's fishy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Something's fishy. So um, I guess, I guess we'll have to see what's going on in the next couple episodes. Uh, do you have any other points you wanted to chat about? Uh, I could, I, I could leave them. I could, I might mention, you know, a little plus five points for the analysis guys on figuring out, you know, from the videos, the type of brick that was oh, used yeah. in the basement, Yeah, that was uh, cool. of, yeah. you know, of the videos that the white nationalists are putting out. I always uh, love that kind of stuff. You know, that right. kind of like, uh, video forensics. Um, there's also like this tiny little thing where the, uh you know, uh, Diana gets a call from the prime minister of Pakistan, mm-hmm. which, by the way, that call shouldn't have gone to her. That call should have gone to the first desk. Oh, that yeah. call yeah. should have gone to her boss or even someone higher. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, her comment after finding out that the Pakistani prime minister is involved is uh, that maybe this wasn't a random snatch. Yeah. So there might be something actually special about this guy, uh, this Pakistani kid that the white nationalists pick up that we don't know about yet. Oh, this is going to be. Oh, this... by the way, the white nationalists were called the Sons of Albion. Mm-hmm. Didn't you say that was uh, an Arthur reference? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, Albion comes up a lot in Arthurian literature. It's, uh, oh. it's, a, it's a very, very old name mm-hmm. uh, for Britain. I did check to see if Albion has been appropriated uh, by, you know, white supremacists in Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't look like it has, but it would kind of fit into the general theme mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, hyper right wing, you know, longing for the old days, you know, in the same way that Hitler was really trying to like build up his whole you know, mythology about like ancient Germany, like it would, it would work the same way. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So it makes sense. It's a good choice. But, uh, from my slight little bit of wiki research that actually hasn't happened in real life, but again, it just, it just fits. Okay. That, that sounds, they're, they're those kind of guys. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, we should go back to Arthurian days with us Englands. <laughs> right. You know, the, the, that fought off the Picts and the, the, the Saxons, you know, uh, all these immigrants, blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah. That's, but, uh, I, I, I thought we should point that out in, 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 uh, talking about this show. Cause, uh, I know you pointed that out when we were watching it and I thought that was kind of a clever, name for a group like that 
Um, sure. And I guess it sounds even more clever when you explain it. <laughs> so we know we know we are on the clock. Uh, I can't get out of here without uh, mentioning that Navalny, the documentary about the uh, attempted assassination of Putin's number one political rival, is fucking fantastic. Uh, oh, that's and, right, yeah. And I think that all of our listeners, unless unless you only listen to this show uh, for the man called Flintstone and Spy Kids, <laughs> I think I think a, a lot of our audience, if they haven't seen it, they absolutely should. Uh, well, I'm excited for it because I remember you, I came in when you were finishing watching it, and it, uh, you definitely sold me on it. So, at the very least, we'll do a brush pass and chat about it. At the very least. So uh, next week. Uh, we'll go get into the middle of Slow Horses and, and maybe find the answers to some of these mysteries and maybe uh, be introduced to some further questions. Yeah, sounds good. I'll catch you then. All right, take care. All right. The preceding transmission sampled the song Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net.